Christian life is a life where we live constantly in the battle front until we reach home with Christ in eternity. That's our goal. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 to 18 says, Therefore, since there is a conflict, therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What Paul says here is a simple, simple exhortation. Be dressed, be in your uniform, not only just in your uniform, fully armored to simplify that verse or to put a modern paraphrase, put on your bulletproof jacket, have your rifles ready, be booted, be booted so that you can march forward. Now be, always imagine yourself as if you are in the battlefront ready to battle. I'm going to conclude today at a series of sermons I preached from the chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. The letters to the seven churches. And now I would like to conclude with this and move on to something else next week. But before I do that, I would like to dwell on one word which comes again and again in these two chapters and the rest of the book of Revelation. Even in the passage from 5, chapter 1 to 5, Revelation chapter 5, 1 to 5, that passage also, that word is conquer. It comes in various forms. Conquer, conquers, conquered, and in all the grammatical forms, that word comes at least eight times in these two chapters. That is a central message of the message to the churches, to all of us, that we are called to conquer. We are called to live our lives in the battlefield. And from the battlefield, we'll go directly to the presence of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who is the slain lamb that is slain, living in eternity in the Father's presence. Here we have this keyword, this central thought that is common to all the four, seven churches. It is an inevitable challenge, a challenge, the challenge to conquer or living life always conquering in a mode of conquering. Now that is the language some of you will know. Put yourself on a conquering mode every day, every moment of our life. That is the challenge of the Lord Jesus to his churches, to everyone who sit in, the, in his, his body, are members of his body. Now there are two sets of churches in this place. The seven churches that we studied over the seven or eight months, eight weeks uh, in the past few months. One, out of the seven, there are five churches who have one sort of other problem. But there are two churches, the Church of Smyrna and the Church of Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, who are sort of, not perfect, but they are doing well. God has no, no, no rebuke against them. God is not condemning them, but God is only encouraging them. 
But whether you have a problem, you are a problem church, whether you are a church without a problem, the word conquer comes again and again to all the churches, even the goodies and the baddies, the good churches and the bad churches, the good Christians and the bad Christians, the, the righteous followers of Christ and not so righteous followers of Christ. For all of them, this challenge is given. What is that? Conquer. Live in a mode of conquering. To use a modern or a simpler imagery. <clears throat> now keep your head always out of water. I grew up swimming in a very young age. Because we had some water body near my house. Or attached to my or sometimes partially owned my father's father. So playing in water, swimming in water was always our fun, especially when there is no school during the vacation. So I remember jumping into the water, that's fine, you go deep into the water, and then sometimes you think yourself, drown yourself in the water, take it deep in the water, but everything is all right. But you have to, to survive, to have life in you, to survive, you have to always make sure your head is above water. You cannot keep. Now, sometimes we, we make, we, we have a sort of a competition. Now, we say that I can, I can uh, pinch my uh, nose and I can hold my breath. I can stay in the water for so many times and both of us say, my brother or myself or my friend will say, one, two, three. We all go down. And then come up and say, how many minutes? Now, there is cheating always there. But, so, but there is, you have to come out of the water. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we say 10 seconds, sometimes they say 12 seconds, sometimes we say 3 seconds and then when that guy is still in the water, we come up and take a breath and when he's coming out, we just go down and cheat. That is another thing. But keeping head out of the water is the challenge. Keeping the water, head out of the water. That has to be, if you think that you are a sort of a good Christian, doing well so far in your life, make sure you are in a and I am in a conquering mood. What is it? It means this particular word that keep coming in these passages, even in the whole book, is to win a battle, to stay as a winner always. It also has another translation, that is to prevail against somebody else. That you are always having an advantage. You have, you, ma you watch tennis or table tennis or whatever it is or whatever go your sports is. You watch it. Your, your favorite player may win one game, may lose another game and may win the third game. That is when you are anxious, when she has lost one set, second set, third set, whichever way you reckon it. But that is not what Christian life is. Christian life is to win all sets. That is what conquer is. Conquer is not to lose one and win one and win others and then win the game. That is not what conquering is. Conquering is always to prevail against your enemy. Prevail against all that opposes you. 
prevail against everything that try to weaken your life in Christ. It is not, let me tell you this also, it is not trying to avoid conflicts. That is sometimes how we manage problems. It is not just trying to avoid an enemy hostile situation by through resolutions, mutual resolutions. I will not attack you, you will not attack me. It is not coming to a compromise. Again, some sort of an understanding. It is neither a surrender. This is how many times the disciples try to survive. This is not survival, brothers and sisters. There is sin out there. There is lust out there. There is greed out there. There is all sort of things that weaken our life with Christ. We cannot come to a compromise with this. We have, we cannot have a pact with the enemy. We cannot have some resolution. We cannot solve the conflict through peace treaties. We have to be on the winner's side. Paul puts it in a slightly different way. Paul, uh, Epistle to Colossians, chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put all these negative things to death. Put all these things to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put all these things to death. Kill them. What happens in many times in Christian life is that we try to tame things. Tame people. Suppose you have a... See, you cannot be overcome by simply taming things. Taming, you know what I mean by that? Making obey your rules. Mellow it down. Probably give it a pacifier shot. You can always do that. You know? We break the dog in dog training. The first thing we do is to, what is called the break the dog. That means tell the dog that you are the boss. So that from this day onwards you are going to obey me and you are not the boss in the house. That's how we take a pet and we try to train that uh, pet to obey us, to be part of the family. The technical term for that is to break the Dog. You can do, you can't do that very much with cat. But with the dogs. We break the dog. Tame the dog. But that is not the, what the Bible says. Put to death whatever is opposing you. Put to death. I tamed a dog. I taught it two years. I took care of him. My dog, this is a biblical name. That was, his name was Caleb. You know? No dog in the world ever had that name. Such a biblical dog. And I raised him on vegetarian food. He never ate anything, a chicken or anything. Peace. I always raised him on vegetarian. Soya. What's that? Soya vadi. Soya vadi, dalda and rice. That was all that he ate. But whenever he was loose, he will go sniff out and find a dry bone. No taming. Your evil desires, flesh, the devil, you can't 
tame that devil. You can't tame your carnal desires. You can't put a limit to your gluttony. You have to put it to death. You can simply cage it, like Buddhists say, put a, your, your desires, control your desires. You can't manage Christian life by, as Buddha taught, by controlling our flesh, the desires of our flesh. Put it to death. That is very strong word. You may be able to cage a cobra. You may be able to feed it regularly with some egg and milk and water. But remember, the cobra still maintains its poisonous fangs. Uh, probably the cobra is tamed, but that the fangs of the cobra, poisonous fangs of the cobra is not tamed. Those who are very close to this church and have been traveling with us so far, we know what happens to people. Why some of them are not here? Because they try to tame, they try to put a limit, but they never conquered the evil desire. They try to manage the flesh, the desires of the flesh. You can't simply manage it. It has to go. And it has to go for ever. Otherwise, you will not be a success story. And I will not be a success story. I will be a serious disaster. Be on a conquering mode. There are lots of lessons in the Bible from biblical history. If you have been reading the Bible, I want all those who consider core to read the Bible from cover to cover. It takes only 69 hours to read it. If you are a slow reader, it usually takes 74 hours. Make sure that you can read it. Day, night, night before yesterday, within 45 minutes, I was in a spiritual, I had a lot of questions in my life. And the Spirit of God led me to read the book of Nehemiah as a builder. Because I found there are people pulling down around me. People trying to pull it down. So the Lord, the, 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 I felt the Holy Spirit asking me to go to the book of Nehemiah and read it. And I read it within 40 minutes or something. I read the entire book of Nehemiah. It doesn't take more than that. So just make it a habit to read. And for those who know the Bible to a certain extent, let me tell you this. Go home and find out this word did not drive out XXX. This formula, there is a formula. Dash and dash, X and X did not drive out Y and Y. You know how many times you will see this in the book of Joshua and Judges? The first part of Judges only. Thirteen times. Thirteen times. About every tribe of Israel who were asked, who were given the promised land, and they were asked to remove the pagan nations, the pagan nations from them. But every tribe, 13 times, 12 tribes, plus one, they did not drive out the 
wicked people from their midst. That is why we needed, they needed a period of reign by the judges. The people, they did not remove the sinful people from their midst. Over the years, these sinful people, these wicked people, influenced the people of God. So God had to raise judges now and then from here and there to actually deal with the crisis. He did not. He did not fully do it. What was the problem? They were trying to tame. They were trying to accommodate. They were tired of conquering anymore. Once they reached a comfort level, they settled down. That's what happens. <clears throat> there are people who come, say that, I have a problem with smoking. I have a problem with alcohol. So they come honestly to get rid of that. We pray over them and their bad habits go. They have taken an effort also and the Lord has helped them also. So they are free of the habit. But that sinful nature hasn't gone out. So what happens? They fall prey to another bad thing. You are freed and you fall prey to another one. You know, the book of Amos has a beautiful metaphor there. A one person ran from a danger and he just held on to a wall and a cobra stuck. Beat it. No, one, you, you, you run away from one casualty to another. From the frying, frying pan to the fire. That is not what Christian life is. The demons, the house is cleansed of the demons. And it was still kept empty. It was not filled with the good things. So what happens? That demon who was driven out says, Hey friends, there is a vacant house. Why don't we all go? And they all come and make it squat in that house. It becomes more miserable. That is what Israelites did. There is a lesson from history. It consequences of that, they could not grow any further. There was instability. There was fall. The kingdom fell. The kingdom fell. This kingdom of Israel fell because of that. Now finally, what are we supposed to be at war with? I find three battle fronts. When we had the Bangladesh war with Pakistan, now we had at least two water, sorry, battle fronts. One on the western side with what is Pakistan now, one on the eastern side what is now those days we used to do, jokingly call it Pakistan, which has become Bangladesh now. East Pakistan. Now there are two war fronts, separated by more than 3000 kilometers, if I remember correctly now. No, the distance between that two water battle fronts were more than 3000 kilometers. 1000 miles at least. And we were, more than that, we were battling at two water battle fronts. This is what happens. Now we have to keep on battling external enemy, internal enemy, and also ourselves. I was talking to a young man about the sin in his life. 
and he said i have repented i said wonderful that is that's a, that's what i wanted to hear that you are sorry for your sin but brother son i don't think your nature is changed i repented that's a good sign i accept god accepts your repentance but i want to know whether you have changed will you become a potential danger for the sheep that i care for that's my concern there are sometimes external enemies the church in smyrna had was facing and is about to face severe persecution i am not going into the details because i have already detailed it separately sometimes our enemies may be external outside of us it may not be it may be people in the city it could be the political systems that are against us it could be other religious fanatics who try to attack you but there we may be facing lot of heat because of that but the word of god says still with the help of the one who has conquered the passage that sumi read today morning chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 the one who has conquered who is that the savior and the lord our savior and our lord the lamb has conquered the lamb has broken the seal of the revelation in the name of him we will be able to withstand the enemy the other thing that comes is internal the church in pergamum chapter 2 verse 14 is also has a threat it is not external threat it is an internal threat from inside the ranks of the church itself accommodating false teachers people with different ideas you know i was talking to a pastor recently yesterday, yesterday or day before yesterday here and i went home very sorrowful heavy hearted and i told my wife oh my god the world that we live in and this man happens to be a pathological liar i was very patient with him i sat there listened to him for an hour or so and every sentence was a lie let me give you one example he told me that he is teaching 40000 people using whatsapp how many people you can add to one group 250 whatsapp has a limit that is you can only add 250 users members to your whatsapp group to have 40000 people to teach 40000 people using whatsapp you need 160 whatsapp groups from the same phone is it possible no why do that man say he has a psychological problem still he can be a pastor still there are followers that's why i weep for the church in india now but there are people who accommodate them without any spiritual discernment go after them the word of god says fight 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 stay as a conqueror always but i also praise god for people who are mentoring those 
who are worshipping idols. I praise God for that positive aspect as well. People who I never heard of, people I never imagined, freeing the bondages, shackles of death and evil, and becoming free, and people nurturing, pastors nurturing them, churches nurturing them. That also is another reality. But don't feel doomed. Don't feel discouraged when you look at the negative realities. That is what we have to conquer. Now I feel that we need to, we need to put a fight against false teaching that is, that is spreading in the churches and congregations around. I am doing my bit by writing. I am doing my bit training people to understand the word, the truth properly. I am doing my bit. Trying to, with, with all the weaknesses that I have, through my writings, through the training programs that I have, through my preaching, through my teaching, I am trying to do my, my bit. But I know that I always have to face the enemy that spreads death. But the, by the strength of him, who have conquered the world, sin and death, we will be conquerors. Praise God. And brothers and sisters, the greatest enemy, our greatest enemy is not external or internal. It is ourselves. We are our greatest enemies. Our self. Self. Our self can become our awareness of our awareness of our wrong awareness or wrong estimate of ourselves can become so solid, so thick, darker and thicker than the dark hole, black hole, sorry, that we have become so insensitive to what happens around us. Sometimes I ask when I pray for people, why that person is behaving that way? Why that person imagines that he is something which he is not at all? Why that person behaves in such a way that he is, why some people sing when they are, now I'm just giving a very harmless illustration, you know, with dear apologies to all of you sitting in the front. I come nowhere to them when it comes to singing. Why do people attempt that? Why do people attempt this? Because they have lost a self, a proper self-image, self-estimate. A proper self-estimate. Become blind to their own selfishness. Has become blind because of their ego. It has become, they become narcissist. Self-centered. And that's the greatest enemy for Christian growth. That is what holds you back. There could be winds. Now the church in Ephesus was doing everything right. But... The, 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 what the Lord of, Lord says in 2.4, that your love has become cold. In the church in Labodicia, it says your spirituality has become detestably, a detestable spirituality spit out, because it is neither cold nor hot. There are two things that can, uh, uh, one is the cold wave that we allow to sweep over our spiritual life. The cold waves, 
the winds, the cold waves, the cold winds that we allow ourselves to flow over our spiritual life. Our warmth, our the heat and the warmth becomes ice cold. If you are a serious follower of Christ, I don't want you to take this experiment. Spend two weeks without prayer, meditation of the world, and going to the church. Fellowship with the saints. The three things. Cut it off yourself for three weeks. Two weeks. You will be cold as ice cream. Cold as a ice. Nothing you do will prosper. Nothing you do will prosper. You know why? Because you will be doing everything wrong. You will be doing everything wrong. Because you are cut off from the wisdom of God. That's a simple thing. When that happens, you are cut off from the wisdom of God. The wisdom by which this universe is created and it is maintained and by the same wisdom which will create a new universe as well. That's what happens to Christian life. So what are we to fight? We are to fight against these cold winds that we allow ourselves. By the way, cold winds are very comfortable. That is why we all have AC. We like cold winds, right? But cold wind can cause hypothermia, insensitivity, until you die. Your cells will become insensitive. Your brain will become insensitive. Once the, the best way to kill a frog, I am just giving a reverse example, is to put the frog in a saucepan, live frog, frog, live frog, live frog, put it in a saucepan, fill cold water, normal water, room temperature, and the, the frog will be absolutely comfortable with that temperature. Heat the saucepan gently on low flame. This is not a recipe. This is an experiment. And the dog, as you raise the temperature slowly, the frog will get adjusted to the temperature. It will not. If you hit it fast, it will be a different issue. When the temperature is raised by degree by degree, 1 degree, 2 degree, 3 degree, 4 degree, when you raise the temperature slowly on your this thing, the frog, it will get adjusted to the environment in such a way, it will not realize that it is being boiled alive. It will die. That's what happens when the opposite of it. When we allow the opposite of it in the sense I'm not using the heat as, an, as a metaphor. The opposite is that you allow coldness to set in and then you become comfortable with that cold. Then you get more cold, you know, and you can be frozen to death. Fight that. That is the message that the Lord has to the church in Ephesus. The church in Laodicea had a different issue. There was cold winds blowing. This was cold undercurrents. Sometimes this may not come from outside. This come from within inside. Inside of us. 
we don't realize that we are becoming slow and slow cold and cold until we are so cold that nobody can eat or drink it we we'll have to spit it out like the lord said i spit you out of my mouth now to conclude i would like to bring a challenge in fighting what are we fighting we are not fighting rss we are not fighting taliban even if they fight against us we will not fight them against them we are not fighting anything against any bjp or anything or any any party we are not fighting against any party we are not fighting against our colleagues we are not supposed to but there are greater enemies that we don't realize many times the sin of ignorance and negligence is the serious sin the sin of negligence there was a man who was working in a uh, what do you call timber factory a timber factory every evening he will be taking a, a he will be taking a what do you call wheelbarrow he will be taking a wheelbarrow of sawdust out of the factory a wheelbarrow full of sawdust so the watchman will stop him and say i need to check your wheelbarrow and he will put his hands in the wheelbarrow check are you hiding something in the sawdust he said this is only sawdust sir so he will go after a while the watchman stopped checking it because he is only taking sawdust from the family nobody from the factory which nobody wants anyway so every day he takes a he 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 pulls a will pushes a wheelbarrow out of the factory full of sawdust and finally the watchman gave up watchman said this guy is taking some sawdust for his kitchen what's the point of this and after a few days maybe months this man stopped coming to the factory this was not happening but one day the watchman saw this man in a bar so he asked okay you are the man who was taking a wheelbarrow the sawdust and how did you you get, he said no i i uh, established my business and the business is doing well he said what business sawdust business he said no 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 not sawdust business so then were you uh, stealing something from the factory he said you know that there was nothing in my wheelbarrow except sawdust oh yeah that's true so what was happening how did you become tell me the secret he said sir i was not stealing anything from the factory i was not stealing sawdust from the factory i was actually stealing the wheelbarrow i was stealing the wheelbarrow you ignored it fool i was not stealing anything else brand new steel barrows which i sold outside in the market came back in the factory to steal another steel barrow wheelbarrow and you are checking for sawdust are you living in that sort of a situation or am i living such a situation ignoring greater sins in our life not able to conquer not being a diligent greater disaster comes if you are not in a conquering mode galatians chapter 5 this is homework for you chapter 5 19 to 21 has a list of 
sins that try to defeat us. But next two verses, Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, have nine fruit of the Spirit, which we have to cultivate in order to live in a conquering mode. Identify the sinful passions, the work of the flesh in our lives. Can we roll down to chapter 5 verse 19 to 21 so that we may quickly read through that. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. That is something we need to be conquered. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry, which means fear of stone and wood, idols, images, fear of them. We have to overcome them. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. You think that this is coming when you come down to this list, things are getting milder and milder? Look like grammatically, linguistically. These are lesser things, isn't it? Fits of anger. What is or what is wrong with getting angry once in a while? Rivalries, like or dissensions, divisions, roll down. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these means the list doesn't end there. But the fruit of the spirit is twenty-two to twenty-three. Love, joy. Now that is what the Holy Spirit gives you. Love. The ability to love even those who don't deserve love. Joy in all circumstances. Peace with others and within ourselves. Patience. The ability to take more of the negative circumstances. Kindness that we show to each other. Goodness. That is being useful. Being useful. Faithfulness. Gentleness or meekness. And having self-control. Against such things there is no law. Praise be to God. May God give you the grace to live your life and grace to me to lead my life in a mode of conquering. Praise be to God. Let's pray together.